Um, so, Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for um, this day that you have made, Lord. Father, we lift up um, each and every one of our, our kiddos this morning. Father God, we ask that you would be with us, that you would bless us, that we could dig into your word and your heart and um, what you've done for us, Lord. And so we thank you. We love you. Uh, we invite you here to, to speak through Jamie uh, and... Um, Bless us through his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Thanks, Katie. Hey, just a couple of quick things, and then Jamie will come on up. Jamie and I, I've known you since I was like, what, 15, 14? <laughs> um, so last week, we talked out of Luke about the widow and how Jesus pointed out the offering that she gave. And he said, all the rich people were putting in all this money. She puts in two pennies. And what did Jesus say? She gave in more than the rest. Because they gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. She gave all she had to live on. And we talked about how sometimes God calls us to sacrificial giving. All the time he calls us to consistent giving. Well, we took an offering for Ukraine, just our little group. And you guys gave $22,311, which is amazing. I won't say who, but even we had a young little teenage girl that nobody talked with her about the offering. None of us talked with her about Ukraine, and she just felt like the Lord encouraged her. And she gave $300, most of what she had. So... I want just one verse about that real quick. In Hebrews 13, 3, it says, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. And, when we're, and, and the money's going to be going to the vineyard churches in Ukraine. Uh, we're sending out the check today. But we want to remember that what the scriptures say is our connection to believers in Ukraine is stronger than even your connections to other Americans in this nation. Because our connection in the body of Christ is they are members of one body. And, and so it says, remember them as if you were being mistreated with them. And so that's why um, we want to remember the Vineyard Churches and the other churches, what's happening out there. So one other quick thing. On Wednesday nights, uh, we do it online, is we, we gather together at 7. We call it Ask. Ask, Seek, and Knock. And the Lord has really encouraged us recently to just keep knocking and not just praying, but being very persistent in prayer. And keep knocking until doors open. And so we do that online. We gather at 7. We do it on Google Meet. If you want to join that, um, just sign up outside, right? And just give us your email address. Oh, yeah, we forgot our signups. Oh, well. Or email info at vineyardoforange.com. We'll put you on the list, and th then you'll get a link, and we all join online. But it's been really powerful every Wednesday night. So, Jamie. All right, I'm going to get dressed in front of you real quick.
must have a big ear or something. There we go. All right. Does that work? Good. Good to see everybody. So fun. It's like a reunion. Um, thank you guys for being here um, together with us. Uh, we are excited. We are on a kind of a new adventure. Um, we packed up, some of you guys came over, we packed up our house yesterday, and uh, it's, it's kind of emotional and tiring all at the same time. So uh, we got the trailer, first load of trailer loaded, the house is all loaded, and, um, and then we'll come back and load all the garage stuff in the second trip, because my garage is as big as my house. No, <laughs> at least it fits as much stuff in it as my house. Um, <laughs> I have so many tools. I don't know where Rob, Robert's not here, he took off, he left, but he was packing all the tools the other day, and oh my gosh, I didn't, re- I didn't realize I had so many tools, but... That's my, that's my happy spot. So um, whenever I do a project, I say I'm saving us so much money, I get to buy a new tool. <laughs> I heard a name in out there. Uh, anyway, yeah, we are on a new stage in the adventure, and uh, we are headed to Montana. Um, Pastor uh, Little Vineyard Church there in Dillon, Montana, which is way south, kind of southwest Montana. It's about an hour and a half kind of southwest of Bozeman, if you know where Bozeman is. And um, we're just up uh, not far, about an hour and a half north of Idaho Falls and five hours north of, of Salt Lake City, uh, just off 15 Freeway. So we're, uh, you know, we grew up not far from 15 Freeway. We're moving not far from the 15 Freeway. Only, only down here, you get on 15 Freeway and you go five miles and it takes you like 35 minutes. <laughs> And you go up there and you look at, I can see the 15 freeway from our house about a quarter mile away, I can see it, and a car goes by about every five minutes. <laughs> so, so, so it's a whole different 15 freeway, different experience. Um, but we're excited about the, what the Lord's doing. I'll talk about that, I'll tell a little bit of the story as I go along. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this is our, our family. A lot of you guys that are here today are our family. This whole thing, uh, the vineyard. Uh, church, you know, the Vineyard Anaheim has been such a family to us, and the last year and a half in this church plant has been, you know, has been a real t- a gift to do this together and be part of uh, our Vineyard family, um, and where we're going up there is just part of our Vineyard family, and obviously God's bigger than the Vineyard. It's really about uh, what He's doing in the world. It doesn't matter whether it's under Vineyard or under Anglican or whatever you're doing, you know what I mean? It's His kingdom that, that we're expanding wherever we go, but there is a real f- uh, affection for our a family that we call Vineyard. Um, and there is a real special place, uh, and I think in many of our hearts, for, for this family that we get to be part of. And so it's kind of a treat to go up there and, and uh, you know, it it's just feels like, feels like home. A uh, bunch of Vineyard people that kind of are, you know, naturally supernatural, don't, don't really know all what they're doing and kind of just trying to fo- serve Jesus and go hard after him. And um, and that's really what I want to talk about today. As I, uh, as I share with you a little bit of out of the word, um, I sh- I'm going to share a similar word that I shared at the King's house yesterday, or not, not yesterday, but last Sunday, out of Philippians chapter 3. And uh, this, you know, it really is my heart. I know it's our heart. It's something I learned, I captured uh, as we were, you know, as I was, grew up in, in the vineyard. Um, this, this amazing uh, reality of how, how amazing Jesus is. And that that's where we fix our eyes, right? We fix our eyes on he, the eternal one. And that's where we live from. And everything we have comes from him. Every good thing. And so I want to um, we'll read Philippians. Let me just pray real quick as we, as we look into his word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, that it grounds us, that it centers us. 
that your truth is what we uh, have uh, given our life to, that Jesus, you're worth everything. And we just say together today, we love you. We're honored to be part of your family. We pray that as we look at your word, you'd make it alive in our hearts afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Philippians uh, chapter 3, starting verse 7, we have Paul uh, sharing with us here just how, uh, how amazing Jesus is. And he says, but whatever was, were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, Paul says, here's the deal. Everything I've done, everything that I'm good at, he says, I count it all worth nothing. Like just as rubbish. It's like a, just street trash is this, this Greek word that, that only dogs would want to eat, right? It's just, it's just garbage. I count it as nothing compared to this one thing, this one thing of knowing Christ. And he says, this, is, this, this righteousness, this right standing with God that comes by faith alone, by faith in him, he says, that's what I want. I wanna, I wanna live in this place, I wanna live from this place. That this reality that we're saved completely by grace, that any righteousness, right standing with God that we have is all because of what Jesus has done for us. And he fixes eyes right on Jesus and says, this is what it's all about. Everything else I could ever do or ever accomplish is worth nothing compared to this one thing. I was sharing the gospel uh, with a friend a week and a half or so ago. And I was just sharing about what makes Christianity different than everything else. And it comes back to this one thing, this one thing, that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus and it's not about our ability to get it right or somehow accomplish enough religious practices or somehow earn our way up. That, that as I you know, traveled all throughout the globe and watched people super, super, uh, just devout in their religion, seeking, trying somehow to reach to God. See, there's this reality that no matter where you go on the globe, people have this hole inside of their heart. There's this longing for something more. There's a knowing that we're made for something more, that this earth is not our home. No matter where you go on the earth, there's this thing. It happened and it's created all kinds of religions out of this, out of this void, Right? And, and you see people, I mean, Sam and I are in Tibet, China, and you have these people that are literally crawling, crawling up steps on their knees, spinning prayer wheels, offering these prayers because they're desperate. They've got this hole in their heart and they're desperate. They're like, there's something else and I've got to somehow be good enough to reach to whoever that is. Whatever that is, I need to somehow be good enough. I want to be right with God, right? There's this, this no, we know that there's a gap we know that we're sinful. I mean, it's just, it's innate. We, can, we know it all over the globe. And no matter what religion you go to, the answer in every religion is this. You figure out you do good enough. You somehow be devout enough. And what Paul is saying here, he says, all my devoutness. He was the Jew of all Jews. He had, he had gone through and memorized. He probably had so much of the Bible memorized, right? He had done all the right things. But he says, that's all rubbish compared to this one thing that I would know Christ. 
and, and know this righteousness, this right standing with God that comes not because I'm good enough, but because he absolutely loves me. And that's what sets Christianity apart from everything else. This thing we've given our, our life to is that Jesus alone saves us, not about us being good enough or right enough or figuring our own way out. And I remember being a 15-year-old young man and, and this hitting me, I, mean, I realizing, oh man, there's, there's a lot of things out there, a lot of religions out there, a lot of ways out there. But this is the only thing where it's not about me somehow being good enough because I can't be good enough. It's about Jesus dying on a cross and taking my place because of his passionate love for me. And out of that, I knelt down in the snow as a 15-year-old in, in, in part of a vineyard church, right? Kneeled, knelt down in the snow and said, God, you've got my whole life. You've got it all. I'm captured by this reality that you would take my place, that you would make the way for me. Don't let us ever forget that. That Christianity is not about us earning our way. It's about us bowing our knee and saying, Jesus, you did it for me. You died for me. You took my place. It's the best news on the planet. There's nothing else like it. We can't make it on our own. We can't achieve righteousness, right? Standing with God, that thing that we know that, that where there's a gap. We can't achieve it without him doing it for us, and he did it for us. And then out of that, we live in response to that, right? We count all of our stuff rubbish. We say, okay, God, I'm gonna live. I wanna just now, I, I have right standing with you. I'm accepted, I'm loved as I am. You adore me as I am. And now I just wanna live in response to you. And it's a completely different motivation to live our life in righteousness, right? It, to live our life well, not because we're trying to obtain something, but because we already have something. So Paul just reminds us that, hey, I counted all of rubbish, all that good stuff I've done, it's all nothing. For this one thing, having right standing with God because of what he's done, not because of what I've done. And you know, uh, John Wimber, our founding pastor of the Vineyard Movement, used to say, the way in is the way on. And what he meant by that was this, is that we came in because of God's mercy and grace on us, and then we continue to live our life out in that same mercy and grace. So that's, that's where we start, and that's where we finish. At the end, we're going to be on our knees before him, laying our crowns down and saying, I have nothing else. It all came because of your grace. It was all because of your goodness. The way in is the way on. Come in through his mercy. We continue to walk it out through his mercy. I remember... Uh, being a young man, uh, 20, 21 years old, down in South America, after riding my motorcycle down there, and I remember, um, I remember asking God, okay, God, what do you, how do you want to use my life? What do you want me to do now? I'm, you know, I've been going hard after you for a number of years now. I really want to serve you. I want to use my life for your glory. And I remember kneeling down. Um, I remember being down there in, in South America and just saying, okay, God, you know, like, direct me. I want, I want you to direct my steps. Like, take me where you want me to go. Do what you, with my life what you want. And um, some of you guys have heard the story before, but anyway, I got in a motorcycle crash with a dump truck, and, um, and I ended up on the side of a mountain with a split-and-a-half motorcycle. And, and at that moment, you got reached out. I just saw God reach out his hand as the bumper of the, of the dump truck was going by, and I just felt like he said, Jamie, take my hand. Take my hand. I'm a good leader. And if you walk with me today, you'll be walking with me tomorrow. And you walk with me tomorrow, you'll be walking with me the next day. 
And it was like, Jamie, it's, it's, you, I know that's what you want. I know you want to just totally radically serve me in whatever way I want. It really comes down to me. Just fix your eyes on me. I'm the eternal one. Take my hand, and I'm really good at leading you. And, and he's been really good at leading. So I, I, I remember that. And then, and then shortly after that, the next couple days down there, as we were getting my motorcycle repaired, and um, God just began to speak to me, and I, and I felt like he said, Jimmy, uh, it's, it's, I, can, I can transplant a large tree. Um, and he, he gave me a picture of a, of a big oak tree. And you know, you, sometimes you see trees that are being transplanted, they go that down the road and they're in the back of a little toil pickup and they've got a little, you know, a little 30 gallon box or whatever, right, that the tree's in. This was like, he said, he gave a picture of like a big semi truck with a giant, giant crate on the back with a big oak tree in it. And I felt like God just said to me, Jamie, Jamie, you go back home and you plant. And when I'm ready to transplant you, it's not any harder for me to transplant something that's large than something that's small. And he gave me that picture and I just tucked away and I journaled it and, and I just kind of tucked it away and I was like, okay, God. And he reminded me there's nothing, there's nothing hard for God. <laughs> Do you get that? There's an amazing theological term called the omnipotence of God. And you're going to go have a fun word study. Go look up the omnipotence of God. But it just talks in that, that that theological term is the reality that there is nothing harder for God than anything else. Like it's just, it's, it's like not hard for God to, to do anything. There's nothing is hard for God. And that's just, like we talk, think about if I'm going to transplant a small tree, that is digging that hole is much easier. And lifting that thing out is much easier than getting a big, big hunking, you know, bulldozer and digging it out, you know, backhoe and sticking it on the back of a big, I and mean, that just seems like crane and everything else to move it. But for God, it's just all, it's all like, doesn't take any, doesn't take any effort. That's how powerful and how big our God is. Nothing takes any effort for him. Nothing takes more effort than anything else, right? So what he said to me back then is, hey, listen, you go be faithful, plant yourself and, and go back home and plant and serve well, just serve well. And I have no problem transplanting you. And that's what he told me when I was 20, I was 20, 21. Um, and so we went back home and I, I you know, planted in Anaheim Vineyard and just started serving and started, you know, my auto detailing business and my lawn business and just started working and going to school and doing what I was doing and just faithfully serving at the church. And that's what I did. And just kind of do my, my, the things God told me to do and, and just enjoyed, enjoyed that. And, you know, I ended up beginning ministry there at, at the church and uh, met my wife, um, which I'm so thankful of, thankful for. Thank you, Granny, for giving me your daughter. Um, <laughs> Absolutely not. But you're welcome to come to Montana with us. <laughs> it was for better or for worse. It's right here. <laughs> I, I really like this, this right here. This is really good. <laughs> I told my wife, I kissed my wife in public. I go, see, look, look. It's no problem. Oh, it's just where I'm embarrassed. No, 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 no. Look, look, I, I got permission. This is, this is a powerful, powerful, powerful reality. I love it. Love my wife. So, so God has been really good to direct all the way along. Like, he's just so good. So, so good. And I think that's what Paul's getting at here. He's just, hey, guys, 
Jesus is worth it all. He's worth so much. He'll give everything else is rubbish, everything else, just to be in right standing with God and to follow his lead into what he has for us. It's such a good place to be. So it's interesting because we've always been willing to go wherever he wanted us to go. I mean, Deb and I thought we'd end up on the mission field, thought we'd go some, you know, somewhere. We love doing missions and doing stuff. And um, at its different points along the journey, I, we've kind of, I, I don't know, I think maybe we've talked about this, but, but I've definitely thought it a lot of times, like, maybe we're really not willing to go. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe inside, maybe we're really not willing because he, he keeps saying over and over again, stay. Like, stay, stay. And he said that so many times to us. We would just lay out before him, you know, Lord, do you want us to go somewhere? Do you want us to, you know, go to a church somewhere else? Do you want us to go mission field, whatever? And he'd just say, stay, like, stay and serve, plant. And so we did. We stayed where he called us to be. And in these last couple of years, we felt the Lord stirring us. And we've wondered, hmm, I wonder what this is going to turn into. And, um, and then, you know, God's, this, this call has, has come to, uh, to pastor this church in in Montana, and I would have never thought about going to Montana, like, mm, it's cold up there. <laughs> like, what the heck are you thinking, Lord? I actually did this whole thing when I, once he, I felt like he started speaking to me about it, I'm like, are you joking with me? <laughs> like, do you remember that, like, I was a quadriplegic for a little while, and if you don't, you know, know, but once I get, when I get cold, everything just kind of tightens up like this, and I just go back to, like, everything starts to want to go like this when I get cold. So I'm like, Lord, are you kidding me? You're just send me to Montana where it's, like, on a regular basis in the teens, and Sometimes it snaps down in minus zero, it's cold. And I feel like God just said, Jamie, this whole thing is just about taking my hand. Like, I will provide everything you need. And I've been up there now several times in the cold and uh, it's fine. Like, I just layer up. People say layer up, you get some good wool stuff and layer up and totally fine. I've been there where it's minus 10 degrees and I'm just like, well, it's just fine. It's not, you know, you don't want to hang out outside in minus 10. <laughs> but but when it's in the teens, actually, you just hang out outside. You, the boys are taking their jackets off and hanging out. It's funny. So anyway, never thought that'd be. <laughs> but it's definitely the call of God. It's what God's doing. And it's a, a fun journey to follow him and to count everything else uh, rubbish compared to this one thing, this one thing, fixing our eyes on the eternal one, standing in his righteousness, serving him. Paul continues on verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. This is just a beautiful verse. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing his sufferings. So there's this reality that we're not at home in these bodies. And what Paul was saying here is, listen, I just want to fix my eyes on Jesus to know him. And as I do that, I'm going to participate in his sufferings. And then I'm going to participate in his resurrection. And that new body that is an eternal body, I will get that one day. Right? And he got that. He says, I, I get this thing. It's about pressing in to know Jesus. And then in the midst of it, we're going to participate with him in suffering. And... And one day we're going to get new bodies and we're going to be new. We're going to become new. And I, don't have any, I won't have any more, any more numbness or paralysis or anything else, but I have completely new bodies that are strong and get to run and do all the things we're made to do for all of eternity. You know, some of you guys share my sympathies with, with pains in the body and stuff and just like long for that day, right? It's coming. It's coming way quicker than we think. 
Uh, until then, we're faithful to just press in to know him and share in the midst of these sufferings, whether it's suffering in body, whether it's suffering emotionally, whether it's suffering because God calls us to go someplace that gives up our family and friends, right? And we start fresh. One day, the reality is, is that we'll stand all together with new bodies in all of eternity, and we'll dance to, new, to, to Peter's phone <laughs> together. <laughs> it's all good, Peter. But one day, we will. But until then, there's a reality that God calls us to, obedience requires sacrifice. God requires sharing in sufferings and, and sacrifice um, over and over and over again throughout our lives, right? There's these calls to follow, follow me, follow me, and sometimes that means pain. Sometimes that means suffering. And Jesus says, anyone who leaves houses and brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and children and fields for my sake will receive a hundred times in, in that life to come. And it's reality that as we participate in his suffering, there's reward in that because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. So he's worth giving it all up for. He's worth giving it all up for. And we do live in times of persecution where it, it, we goes against, it goes against our society to follow Jesus, where we're called to stand up for what's right and, and, and uh, for, for Jesus, we're called haters, Right? There's a reality that we are called to go against the grain of society, and that's what God's called us to. That's participating in his sufferings, and that's increasing, right? That's increasing in this, this time because of the immorality of our world. The, the three things we fight against, the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? Those are the things that are trying to undermine our peace in Christ, and, and our world has become more and more an evil system, and so you get this reality that we're fighting against uh, all the time, we're going counterculture, we always have, but it seems like it increases as immorality increases, right? So, so that's part of the persecution, that's part of the suffering we're called to, is to stand in the midst of that and live differently and stand for what's true, lovingly but differently. Um, and, and that's part of that suffering because he's worth it, because we want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection... Part of that's the new bodies we get. Part of that is the power that we uh, get to experience here on earth as God brings healing and brings his kingdom into our lives, into our bodies. I want to uh, read out of Mark 2. Hey, Johnny, were you, are you here? Would you come set this thing up real quick? Um, you guys know this is my story, and you guys, most of you in this room, participate in this with me. Um, and so I want to do this just because I, I had a dream last night, um, and I, in the dream, I saw Jesus healing, uh, healing people. I got to be there, part of it, and it was super, super powerful. Um, and so the Lord just reminded me that you guys participated, most of you guys are here participated with me uh, in in the healing that I experienced. And so I just, I want to stir that up amongst us, this faith, this is who our God is. Uh, and so I'm just going to read this real quick, and then we'll, we'll watch it live on, the, on this uh, chosen video real quick. But it says, a few days later, uh, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home, and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him in to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening 
in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered that man, uh, the mat he was lying on, the man, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the uh, teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He blasphemes, who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit what they, they were thinking uh, in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But, one, uh, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to them, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up and took his mat and walked out in full view of them. And this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Whew. I can't watch that without crying. But I just remind you, that was me. Fourteen and a half years ago, I was laying in a hospital bed and couldn't move. And a bunch of you, like, just started digging through the roof and said, God, this cannot be. Would you change this? Would you change this? And a bunch of you were the woman on the top and said, you alone, Jesus, can do this. And a bunch of you stood there and you cried out and you got on your face and you cried out. And you said, God, this cannot be. There has to be a change here. Would you bring resurrection power that will be one day in heaven? Would you bring it to earth now? Would you give us tomorrow's bread today? Would you come in power now? And that's what our God does. And what Paul's getting out here, he says, listen, I got to know Christ and the power's resurrection. Yes, one day a new body, but right now we want to see change now. Would you come reveal yourself right now? And you guys did that on my behalf. And I stand today because of it, right? And I get to enter into this new story because of it, because of because God's amazing, amazing grace and your tenacity to take me before, before him and say, Lord, would you please change things? You see, people can get mad at the body of Christ because the body of Christ is all screwed up. The church is all messed up because you and I are in it. John used to say it all the time, right? We're in it. Like if Mike and I are in it, there's a problem. We're not perfect. As perfect as he is, I'm not. No, it's like there's, there's a problem. We, we are broken and the church is gonna be broken and it's gonna make stupid decisions and mess up. But that doesn't give any excuse not to be part of her. Because you are part, you and I are part of her. And as we gather together and we commit to being together as one, as we love the church despite its brokenness, we lift each other, we tear through the roof sometimes and we say, God, would you change things? And people like me get to stand because of that. Do you get that? It's God's mercy, but it's people's tenacity to pray and to cry out. As Sam and Brooke are doing on Wednesday nights, asking and continually asking, right? Holding out before God. He calls us to do that. It's a partnership with us and him. It's the way he works this thing. It's an amazing thing he does. But he says, you and I, we're gonna to partner together. I've got work I wanna do, but I'm gonna use real people like you and me. And he uses this thing called the body of Christ. And so as broken as it is, and as stupid decisions as, as leadership makes and we make and people in it make, it doesn't change the fact that God is passionate about the church. And the reason we're going to Dillon is because I'm passionate about the church because it's inside me, right? There's a passion inside for the church because this is what God's doing on the earth, okay? He is building his church in its brokenness, in its frailty, 
He's building his church. And the family part of the church that we, we get the honor of being part of is this thing called the vineyard, which is a fun little part of the family that's very imperfect, but is just tenaciously going after Jesus. One more section, I want to read it here in Philippians. Sorry, I'm going to be sniffing a lot. Ugh. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, there's this reality that we've been made for a purpose. We've been designed uniquely by God for a purpose. And Lance used to talk about this word telos all the time. It's a Greek word that means, means our intended end, like what we were designed for. That you and I are called and designed uniquely, like knit together, it says in our mother's womb, with divine purposes, things that God's designed for us to do, that we get the privilege of participating with if we fix our eyes on Jesus and follow him in our stumbling way we do, but just grabbing his hand each day, then there's these purposes he's made us for. And each one of us have been uniquely knit together for different purposes, for these things that he's designed. You guys know I love motorcycles, and when, when my old BMW motorcycle is, is, you know, when I go to jump on it, there's an expectation and a joy to sit on that thing and know that it was designed to like just go, right? You drop the hammer down and it takes off and it just corners so well and it just feels great when you're on it. It's designed for that. And if there's a misfire, it's not running right. It's not doing what it was designed to do, right? It was designed to run well and just purr, right? As you ride, just there's no, nothing, nobody you can't pass, nothing you can't do, take off the light, you're gone, right? It's just, it's this beautiful thing that God, that, that God didn't design, but that I enjoy, that somebody designed, some amazing engineer used their gift to design this thing that is so enjoyable. And when it's running the way it's supposed to do, it's a joy and there's ex expectation of what it's made to do. Well, God knit you and I together and he's the ultimate engineer and he made each one of us with all these fascinating, amazing gifts and talents and whatever it is God's built you to do, he has assignments for you that are amazing. And as you fulfill those just each day following him, you just give him such pleasure and delight. Like God is our biggest cheerleader, right? He's just, he is like, he is our biggest fan. He loves cheering us on. You know, as Roger's fixing things at the power plant, like God's just cheering him on. Like he's using his amazing mind that all of us could like, you know, not really even comprehend the things that, that Roger gets to comprehend about jet engines and those kind of things. And, and like, I'm, I'm thinking, God just sits there and delights as he uses that mind that he's got given him, right? Okay, in each one of us, whatever it is that God's designed us to do, God takes this great extravagant delight in us just being who he's made us to be. That that's the way God's designed us. To us. And, and our goal and what Paul's pushing toward is he says, hey, I haven't already achieved it, but I'm, I'm straining towards this thing. I'm moving, I'm pressing to, to, to fulfill every good thing God's designed me to do. And that's where Deb and I find ourselves. We find ourselves in this place of just pressing on to, to uh, do everything God's designed us to do. And in the midst of that, he's, you know, he speaks and he directs. And uh, 
So our next assignment, has become clear, is, is Dillon, Montana. And, you know, as the body of Christ, like even you guys coming today, many of you guys coming just to kind of send us off, it's, such, it's, like, it's like you guys just going, come on, you guys, you, next leg of the journey, you can do it, you can do it. I sat over here just wor- as worship, I'm just tears coming down my face because you guys have helped form us, who we are. That's the way the body of Christ works. Like each one of you guys in this room have helped form who we are. And the passion for Jesus in us and the tenaciousness to go after that has been formed by you guys being the body of Christ to us and us being that back to you. That's the way it works. We're encouraged as one another. We, we, we see God's vision for each other and we just cheer it on. I've got my, my friend, some of you guys know my roofing angel, Robert, was just here a little while. He couldn't stay because he was just crying, you know, crying. Um, but he is like, he's like one of my cheerleaders. Like he just comes and says, Jamie, you got this. Like, you know, I'm saying, oh, I'm out struggling with parenting. And he's like, Jamie, you got this. You're doing good. He just cheers, cheers, cheers me on. I love that. But we're made to do that for each other, to cheer each other on so that we could reach our telos, our intended end, what God's designed us for. In, uh, in the end of uh, October, I was watching the, the Vineyard National Conference online. Um, and uh, I was in Arizona, and uh, I didn't go, but I was watching the final session, and uh, Bob Penny and many others were there praying in the, the um, installation of uh, the new um, uh, national director for the Vineyard Movement, um, Jay Pathak. He was a great, great guy, um, and uh, it's kind of a generational handoff for the Vineyard, so it's very significant for the Vineyard Movement because it dropped from kind of same generation for, for three or four leaders, and then it's dropped 20 years down uh, down to a different generation leader. And so it's significant for the vineyard. And Jay is a, is, a, is a great, amazing guy. So we have a great future ahead for the vineyard. Vineyard is doing very well across the, the nation and across the globe. And uh, so this family that we, ha- that we call Vineyard um, is getting the handoff to the new national director. And so Jay, after they pray for him, Jay gets up and says just a few words. And he says, first he said, well, I got a lot to say. And then he said, but I'll say that over the next few years. So I got a lot of years to say that in. And then he, um, he's very eloquent, and he, but he said, no, there is one thing I want to say. And he took about two, three minutes, and he just said, from time to time, it's right, good, and true to think about what we're going to be doing 10,000 years from now. And he paused. And as he paused, the Lord just just spoke to my heart. Um, and he went on for a few minutes and just talked about how what's really going to matter 10,000 years from now and just the reality that our cell phones aren't going to matter, our inboxes aren't going to matter, and none of that's going to matter. What's going to matter is our relationship with Jesus. Did we, did we fix our eyes on him and follow the eternal one? And the ones we did it together with. And then that's what's going to matter. That's really it when it comes to the end. And... Uh, he talked about that, but as he said, you know, it's right, good, and true to think about what's going to happen, ten, that, what we're going to be doing 10,000 years from now. The Lord just spoke to my heart, and he said, Jamie, what, what do you want to present before me? Like, what do you want to offer to me? Um, and uh, what do you want what, to, what's your life really? What, what have I made you for? What's your telos? What is your intended? And what's the goal you're pressing towards? And I had an instant response was the local church. Like it was just, I just knew that's what, I, I know that's what I'm made for. I know that God has designed me to encourage and edify and build up the local church and, and raise up leaders and disciple people. And just that's what I'm made to do. That's what I thrive at. And that's what I enjoy doing. 
And um, so I just, that was my, you know, that was my uh, heart response right away back to the Lord. And, and then I felt like the Lord just said, go do it. And, and so all was all said, and I went from being midlife retired for, for two years, enjoying midlife retirement and joking with Deb about maybe I'll just stay retired. I'm really, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Um, the kids are, are getting more and more and we're moving out of the house. And I, man, I can just, this is, a, this is a good life. I like doing projects and helping people out and taking teams to Mexico and doing fun stuff. I, maybe I'll just stay midlife retired. But no, the Lord just spoke and said, no, it's, you can get back in the game. Like it's, it's you know, go do it and um, do what you're made to do. And, uh, you know, I think some, in, in some ways, uh, I had held back from looking at, at you know, pastoring again, especially senior pastoring, because it's a lot of work. And with my body and energy level, I was like, oh, Lord, do I really want to do that? <laughs> but, but the Lord made it real cool. This is what you're made to do. And I felt like he just said, Jamie, I'll, t- I'll, like, I'll give you what you need to do it. And so it's like just stepping forward in faith and making, making the steps. So, so from there, it kind of snowballed in a beautiful way where we, uh, you know, I went on ABC's website and, and there were six vineyards open needing senior pastors, a lot of guys retiring right now. And um, five out of the six had, had no interest to me at all. Um, just were not, it's just not palatable. I'm not, you know, they're just, they're looking for the next guy to charge the next hill. And I'm like, been there, done that. Um, but not, nothing wrong with those churches, I'm not saying anything, but I'm just saying what I was looking for, what my heart, what my heart was looking for was different than that. And this, this little church in Dillon, Montana, basically said, hey, we want somebody that will raise up leaders, make disciples, love our, our community and our church. And I thought, I like, that's me, I can do that. Um, and it's, anyway, we had a sweet ride, I went and visited, and, and just this heart connection, when you know God's connecting you together with people, just a real intense heart connection, and the people are, it's a, it's a wonderful church family, um, kind of multi-generational church family. They love their church. They love their community. Um, they've got a great, the vineyard has a great name in the, in the town. And, um, and then there's just people that I, you know, I call sweetly broken, people that are, have been through life, and they've got stories, and they've, they've continued to, to just walk with Jesus through them. And it's just a neat group of people, some neat leaders, and fun kind of, you know, community to come into, to start to build and disciple and, and uh, reach the community and, and, you know, do missions through and stuff. So we're excited about the road forward, uh, but it is a very clear call that this is the next stage on our journey um, as we press on to be what God's made us to be. And, and that means, you know, leaving, leaving things behind, and yet one day we know that with our, in our resurrected bodies that we'll be back together again and we'll have we'll have thousands and millions of years to sit and tell stories of God's faithfulness, right? As we, as we all, you know, aim towards that goal to, to win the prize, heavenward in Christ Jesus, to become everything he's called us to be. And the last uh, verse I want to share with you is words you guys know well um, out of 2 Timothy. And Deanic, would you come up and have you play this song for me? Um, you know, Paul says this is the end of, end of his life. He says, for I've I'm, I've already been poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I kept the faith, and now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. And so what I want to prod you with today is this, is that we live, we come in by faith in our merciful God. It's his grace that brings us in. It's his grace that continues to carry us on. That as he, uh, 
as he uh, is faithful, that we'll fulfill every good thing God has for us. And it doesn't matter what the cost or what the sufferings or how they come, that one day we get to celebrate all of eternity and we get to take whatever we've done in this life, right? Whatever we've done, been faithful to his call, and it says somehow that there's like this crown we get, right? That God's gonna award back to us. The, the term there, the term crown is like a victor's crown, okay? From, from a competition or from a battle, somebody that's recognized, that there's gonna be reality that you and I are recognized before the throne of God, okay? In all of eternity, there'll be a sense of being recognized and God will recognize, and then we get to, to go back before Jesus, and I think we're gonna find ourselves. You know, Peter and I knelt down before the throne, just throwing our crown at the throne, saying, Jesus, you're worth it all. There's nothing else in this life worth giving ourselves to. You've given up everything for us, and it's, it's, it's about us giving it all back to you. And for all of eternity, you and I get to stand shoulder to shoulder, knee to knee, celebrating before the throne, the God who's amazing in the new heavens and new earth that we get to, we get to enjoy. So let's just stand and uh, sing this song together. Feet of Jesus, we cry holy, 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 and we cry holy, 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 and we cry, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lamb. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. We cry, holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. We cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. So Jesus, uh, I pray for us, Lord, that uh, you would in your mercy, God, you would take hold of our hands and you would lead us on uh, till that final day till we stand before you. And that God, during each one of these days between here and then, God, that we would, uh, by your mercy and your grace, we'd have our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, as we stumble along, Lord, we just take hold of your hand and we would see your beauty and your faithfulness and we would live for you alone. Above everything else, God, that we'd accomplish every good thing that you have for us to do. Uh, and we know and we look forward in expectation to the day we stand together 
before you in heaven for all of eternity get to celebrate your goodness, God. Because we say we're, we're a wreck for you, Jesus, where every, everything else is, is rubbish compared to you. Lord, you're more beautiful than everything else. And I, God, I pray for each one of us, Lord, any, any ways in which we get distracted by the world, the flesh, or the devil, any ways that we get led astray from fixing our eyes just on you, Lord, would you break those chains off? Would you bring freedom, God? And would you re- release faith afresh, Lord, that, that we have everything we need to follow you. Every good thing, Lord, comes in you. And that we'd fix our eyes and we'd run with perseverance as race marked out for us, God. That, Lord, we become everything you want us to be. God, that for all of eternity we could celebrate your goodness. So we say today together that we love you and we gladly bow our knee before you. We say we, we're just, we are yours, God. Have your way. Do whatever you want with our lives. And work your, your power and your authority through us to change life, to save, to deliver, to heal, um, and to bring us to that day where we stand before you. We love you, God. So release grace over your people today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.